Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for the Access Effect. And I'm super excited to be here with my good friend, Jeremy Toman, who is now the CEO and founder of OGX Labs. Augie. That's Augie right. Labs. How are you doing? <laughs> it's so funny. I feel like it so cracks me up. I'm going to have to make sure we're on podcast. I always chat with you. I think I did this once before with you. We're chatting for 20 minutes. I'm like, oh shit, we got to hit the podcast. Okay. So, so <laughs> I'm so excited you're on right now. First, happy holidays. But Thank you. We chatted when you were at Warner Brother Innovation Labs, and I know we caught up in post-pandemic, you know, everybody was kind of like quality of life versus a grind, and you bailed out, and I know you started a startup, and now you're live, and like, 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 how's that feel to go from big studio to your own startup? That's a great question, Sarah. Now, first of all, I think I have a different situation than so many in that my first Oof, about 15, almost 20 years of my career were all in startups. Now, different degrees of size and funding yeah. from, you know, two, three people, my own, all the way to, you know, first employee at Sling Media, which, which yeah. you know, I was brought in pre-funding, but they still had funds by the time I started working. That's where we first met. Brian That's Jacquette. where we first Brian, met. That's where That's we right. first met. Oh, my God. I'm not going to age us because we both look good with the little headphones on. But, oh, <laughs> my God. That's how we first met. It Dang. is. Okay. And, and so I, I've been down the startup journey before. Yeah. It's actually part of why I recommend so highly to young people. If you can get somewhere in those first five years chance to do startup, take it. Because it sets you up that later on in life when you want to, you have a little of that muscle memory. Because yeah. look, you, you, Sarah, you work, you work with the biggest and the smallest of the, like uh, of everybody on the map. So you know this, but. You know, when I bring in people sometimes who don't really have a startup background, they they find it just so overwhelming with, wait, I have to do that myself, yeah. <laughs> you know? So for me, it was a bit of a return to a pattern I've known and loved. I'm also not one of those guys that was like, oh, big companies are terrible. I can't do yeah. that. To be honest, it was a lot of it. You know, most of my career has been fairly serendipitous, just being at a place and time where a thing presented itself. And and this is one of those. For this one, I had already started winding down my time at Warner. I had had a few different ideas, actually, that I was tinkering with and building little micro prototypes of my own, just sort of like playing around with ideas. And, and that's something I like to do. And I keep a keep kind of a laundry list. And basically, about a month after I left, I really, start, you know, I brought everything to a level of sort of ready to show at least people, people I trust and, and, and look for advice from. And the serendipity here is that basically I went out on back-to-back lunches with two old friends, actually one newer friend and one very old friend, both of whom brilliant, both of whom I respect immensely, both of whom by the end of that meeting had said, Jeremy, not only do you need to do a startup, but not only is it clear that that's the one you should be doing, and not only is that true, but I might, but in the two different people, one of them offered to invest on the spot and the other offered to join as a consultant on the spot. Wow. And I was like, this is my universe telling me something because I wasn't fixated. Like, but, but, I, you're, yeah. but you're a tech guy though, but that's the thing. Like you had, so like I'm still my head salon. Oh my God. Sling is when we met years ago. But you've, <laughs> like, and I love that you've always been a startup tech guy and then you were still head of innovations at Warner Brothers. So you've always been a tech guy. So 
doing a startup, another tech makes sense. What, what my big thing is people who are in the startup tech space thrive well in studios and big corporations because they understand wearing multiple hats. They understand, you know, what it takes, team building, leadership. But and then when they pivot out from that back as a CEO, as a startup, they have the leadership skills that's needed. What I think, which is messy, is when people do like when they when they're completely studio guys and they've never done mm. startups. They think, oh, I'm going to bail out, you know, this whole pandemic. I wanted something different. We just want lifestyle. Let's go to a startup, be my own boss. You, you know, and, and that's my whole thing with that is they they don't really succeed because they don't understand the startup grind is truly what it means startup grind as a whole different kind of leadership and I'm, and I'm not saying the grass is greener it's a different shade but i'm finding people who are big brand studios they end up going back to the brands because they're just they're not startup guys they're used to having teams of people do all the work for them do everything because you're in studios but then they don't understand how hard it is but then if you work within a startup at any level pivot to a big brand which is tremendous experience then go back to starting up on your own. I feel like there's more of a leadership advantage, which is what you've done. So this is why I think this is easy, not easy, but you, 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 you're like me. I did all the agency side. Then I did a big brand side Then I went to an agency and then I, then I started out on my own 16 years ago. So it's weird to me. I mean, and the idea was brilliant. And I love that you pursued oh, you. this, but it's like you were at Warner Brothers, big studio. Like, where was that? Like that diversion, that paradigm shift for you that made you realize, yeah, I belong in the startup board. I could lead a team anywhere, but I don't just lead a team. I'm now like the buck stops here on the startups. You know, it, it's a great question. And I'm sure for majority of people that that becomes a real kind of a junction point, if you were. I think for me, I'll say it this way. I've, you know, like I read about those people. Have you ever read about these few people that like they're, they don't have fear? Like they actually literally, whatever the amygdala, whatever it is that makes them unafraid, like literally unafraid of anything. It's really, it's, it's like um, the free solo guy was diagnosed with the same condition. That's why they don't get panicky. I mean, I was I was panicky watching that. Wait, was that a condition? My, oh yeah, it's a condition. Yeah, it's a medical condition. Yeah, it's not necessarily the best, by the way. There are a lot of downsides to it. Let's not get okay. sidetracked because you and I could go off that tangent for an hour. And I have a um, comment. I know, I, and I want to talk about that in a second too. For me, when it comes to business, I've never really had a. Pers- I, I think I have a similar perspective. I'm not like, I'm not able to channel that unbelievable bravado that like so many Silicon Valley CEOs like Travis and, and Klamnik and um, I just said his name wrong and Adam from uh, WeWork. I'm, I'm not one of those types. It's just, I'm, I'm too Canadian for it. But for me, the notion of jumping into a startup, doing my own thing, I was thinking about being a fractional CPO again, like I was back when I helped like Voodoo and Boxy and Waze. And then I sort of was like, you know, I could also do a startup and enjoy the heck out of that. So, you know, I, I often end up in talks like career advice and such. And, and for me, I'm I'm literally a guy who's followed his own steps as wherever the journey has taken. And some of those journeys have been some dead ends. I didn't stay long in a couple of places I've been. Some of them, I lasted as long as they were possible to. You know, I spent four years at CBS Interactive running product there. 
And candidly, it's when I moved to New York and all of a sudden didn't have a local team, which is super ironic. Here we are in, in, uh, in the post-pandemic Zoom land. Yeah. You know, I was remote managing back before it was all trendy and cool. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, <laughs> I think the biggest part was knowing that it's all on my shoulders, right? And that, you know, and as I brought in co-founders, we can distribute that load and share the, the burden and also share the responsibility and also share all the joy and the upside and the wonderful things that come with it. I just really want to build this product is that is the truth. Yeah. I'm such a product at my core. Now, my biggest learning curve has been transforming myself over the past two years, which has been my, one of my primary efforts of kind of CPO product leader, which has been most of my career into true founding CEO and giving up a lot of the product job to thankfully someone I trust immensely. Actually, you might not even know him, JT White, tons of experience in the industry also. So for me getting to that point where I was like, okay, I, you know, I can, I can take Delegation. all of it on, see what happens. And then, well, yeah, like it's all, you know, you're not going to be successful without delegating. And then my second thing on that is like, co-founders are a good like I know we, I, I, you know, and I know we've we all evolve. I know we're all about leadership, but I thought there's so much to unpack right now. And you know, and I feel like the whole thing where you know the grass is greener. I and you know we don't want to deviate off, but I feel like when I first started my agency, I had a big client in the digital space, and you know I was like, hey, I'm out. I'm I'm out of here. I'm just not going to. I could be in this big monster PR firm. I don't. I'm going to go back to the client side. Move. I, who knows? I was in San Francisco at the time, and. You know, these two, this one CEO believed in me so much that he's like, I don't care about the agency. You're the only reason. We went from seven to like 36 million on the startup and digital space and billing. Like the first two years, I led the account. I was really the only one on the account because that's when the tech kind of the bubble burst a little bit, popped off here and here and people were being laid off again. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to go and out of respect for the client. I gave him a month or two heads up. Your, your, your contract's renewed do what's best for you. Don't worry about me. I'm very client-facing, which is what I love about um, where we've evolved to as a client-facing agency. And this is somebody who believed in me more than I believed in myself. said, no, no, it's you only. Mm. I went back to one of my mentors at the time and I was terrified. Like you were talking about, terrified. What if I fuck up? What if I let him down? What if I can't handle this? I don't have a big agency and staff around me and VPs around me for mentoring and guidance and da, 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 da. And somebody told me is the best advice I ever got. It's good that you're scared because that means you're going to do well because, you know, you're competitive athlete, you're competitive at work, you're competitive. You always care about this and this. She's like, stay afraid because that fear is what's going to drive you to be terrified of failing. So you're going to push yourself more and more to have things covered. And she's yeah. like, it's a good thing. So if you embrace that fear, it is a driver to not let the other person down. And I'm like, I always, I always, always carry that with me. And then I always realize if I'm not terrified and nervous and like, oh shit, that means whatever I'm tackling isn't big enough for me to tackle if it doesn't make me scared. And then I took that and then I went to the, you know, the, the client who hired me a few times since then, you know, was like, okay, this, let's go. And then he always gave me the advice, never feel afraid to walk away as a leader. So I feel like that's when I started my own agency. When we went to like $189 million M&A, like a year later, became, was good friends with the guy, got hired from him a few times over since then. But I feel like if you're not 
fearful and you're not afraid. Like I'm not that guy. And it is good that you're Canadian, but it is, (laughs) you got to kind of question if this doesn't terrify me, make me nervous. It may not be big enough for me to push myself, to push my team because a good team leader, a good leader makes a good team player. And you know that. And that's why I think that fear is what drives the um, leadership to some level. It's an interesting comment. First of all, complete agree on the team teamness is, and my team will tell you my my whole goal is to push decision making downhill. I don't want to make decisions at all. It's been a philo- management philosophy of mine forever. Is try to only make decisions when it's your decision to be made. I, I think on the comment of fear, I think you know I've been reading a lot about motivation. I have a, I have a big issue with the extrinsic or external motivation versus intrinsic, right? Like people work out to get a beach bod. That's extrinsic. They want to be seen visibly, right? Uh, you know, versus intrinsic, which is where you're just like, I'm going to get this done. And I'm much more an extrinsically motivated person. So for me, rather than make fear kind of my primary motivator, I've actually managed on this case to make the vision itself be the thing I want to have happen. And so what I'm looking at is instead of sort of and there's nothing wrong with this. Instead of like a negative style, like everyone's different, positive reinforcement, negative, it's all, they're all valuable. For me, what I realized is when I can see the prize, you know, there's eyes on the prize kind of comment, but also see that there's a, a you know, I, I make the analogy of almost like jumping through windows, right? Like you're not just jumping through one window. It's almost like Indiana Jones with the things closing before yeah. he runs through the thing. I look at it like I see where we are and I can actually line up each window I have to jump through to get to that prize at the end of the thing. And so the first thing is, what's that prize? For me, the definition of that is millions of people using our product and loving it. I want to change the landscape of how we think about video creation, consumption, and promotion. So by making my prize so big, as you said, with your fear, I create the similar motivation where for me, there's sort of a positive and negative of like, you have this opportunity out there. You can go do this. You can go help millions of people. And if you don't act on it, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen on its own. The windows aren't getting jumped through. I have to jump through the windows or I have to show my team how to jump through the windows. But if I just see the windows, then nobody's going through them and we're not getting any closer to the well, goal. So that's, I, think, that's I, mean, I don't think mind. there's a right or wrong. I think everybody has their own leadership no. that works for them. And I'm always open. I love talking to other people because you always learn a little bit more from talking to somebody successful, you know, as well about what works for them. And, but, you know, my thing, like, and I, I want to pivot back, Jeremy, to like decision-making, like you said, I know you have to make decisions, sure. but you push it all off. You don't want to, we all make easy decisions. Being a good CEO isn't about making easy decisions. We make them all day long. It's making the hard decisions, having the hard conversations that nobody wants to have ever with partners, you know, vendors, team people, whatever, is how to have the hard decisions with the class and grace. So you're not making anybody a casualty of war. You're not making them feel bad. You're still, you know, it's just, I think that's what makes a true leader is having the hard decisions, making hard decisions, you know, and it, it kind of comes down to, the whole failure thing, not the fear, but like the failure. We all fall. We all have stumbled. We've all fallen. Sure. There's no great leader who has it. It's how you get pick yourself back up and keep moving forward gracefully on a public and publicly. We, you, you, oh, I did all this great stuff. Well, I don't know what you've done. I've tripped right. publicly. We've right. done big events. We've done big launches. But for us on a PR side, 
people never know because they don't see the blood, sweat and tears and the plan B, plan C, the scramble behind the scenes. But it's how you pick yourself back up in the eyes of your staff, your peers and how you have those hard conversations and how you take the hard conversations where I'm not going to get defensive and mean if I have somebody who I respect and advise says, hey, I don't like this or that. This is why I should be changed. I need to be open to that because I need to be a better person. And you said prior when we were chatting before the show, you know, we used to be meeting. The podcast was Meet and Mavis podcast. And um, I didn't like it after. And you were super like the only person who's ever been like literally 10 seasons, 198 episodes as of today, 199. You may actually be at 200. I got to check. Nobody's ever said that. They've just been super nice because of who I am. But I'm like, but good leadership is also about taking the bullets, taking and turning it into something else. And you were like, I never liked the name of the podcast, Sarah. And you're on the podcast, but you're always being so polite. And I love that you said, I didn't like the name. It never worked for me. And like, I'm so glad to hear that truth from that. So I know I made the right decision to change the access effect. You know, oh, I, I I love this name. I'm glad it was so well received because it was certainly not meant in a negative way, but more to to appreciate where you are. <laughs> but you and, know, what people, I, but you know what CEOs, you know, we know a lot of same people. It, it, it's I always say, never run your company by ego. It's never going to be good, and no, a lot of it no, is you can't, ego. Yeah. They can't take that because people get really, no, that's my brand, that's my baby. No, I'm glad you said that because that just confirms. Okay, thank God we change it, and I think people do need to have those hard conversations. Whether they're softball, hardball, curveball, you still got to be able to have that communication. I, I think you're totally right. I mean, when it comes to leadership, if you're not able to be clear with your people, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, I, I always think about people when colleagues are like, oh, I got my performance review and it was it was awful. And I, my first question is like, oh, was that surprising? Or or even if it was great, either way. And so many people will say yes. And I think the moment I hear that, I'm like, you got a bad manager. You got a bad leader out there. You should never be surprised in a performance review, right? You shouldn't. It's like getting a report card. Like you knew how you did on the tests, right, kid? Yeah. Like when I talk to my kids, if they're getting A's on their tests, and then I get, if I were to see all of a sudden the C show up, we got to have a conversation. What happened here, right? Like yeah. you knew what to expect. And I say the same thing with handling team, right? My people who are needing, you know, they now we talk about areas of opportunity. Your team should know those areas of opportunity. If someone's not great at rhythm communication or they tend to not be super thorough or that whatever the thing is, my whole thing is you nip it in the bud. You make it very clear what the expectations are. You set realistic, achievable goals and milestones. But if you don't nip those things, they just stay. They just, they, they, they're they, with they, you they, they forever. Fester. And this is the thing. Yeah. Like, so because I'm always like, somebody says, oh my God, we're so impressed because we had this great great um, big sports startup guy was like, damn, they go, you guys are the one of the most client facing agencies we've ever dealt with as a startup. And it was such a huge thing for me, mistakes or not. So, you know, it's one of our, you know, on our website, on Access Entertainment, it is, you know, endorsements and stuff that we are extremely client faced. We had another guy big in the tech space in automotive, like he success was because of us. And I always get, when it comes to employees, I'm always not that, I'm always in the line of leadership of, do I tell you, you know, like you said, this is what sucks. This is things that you did wrong to be improved on because you, you know, you have to improve because I can't have you working for me and clients if you're not doing your job, but you should be aware, like you said, of what you did wrong. But then I feel like 
you should always make them feel appreciative and like valued. And then I always leave with, okay, but here is what I love and everything you're doing great. Where if I'm told, hey, here's everything you're doing amazing. Well, yeah, we are that good. I know that. I'm not surprised. But then it kind of takes away from that to hit that. But here's what you suck at. So I've always like, it's always fun. People say, well, we give them bad news first. And then good news later, we get them good news first and then <laughs> bad news. I always do the bad news first. So I'm like, damn, no, no. But here's the light. Then you then lift them back up. Because I always believe you should leave somebody better when you leave them than when you first met them, you know, started talking to them. You should always leave somebody feeling better about themselves. Never like they're a casualty. And I've seen a lot of CEOs destroy their fucking teams and destroy their loyalty. And because they don't take any accountability for their actions. Right. They, Right. They're not good leaders. They're good at what they do, but they're not a good leader. And they're they're just horrible business owners and they don't take any accountability. It's always somebody else's fault. And it, I just it's hard to watch that at times because you can't right. make it. I can I can make a bad decision. That's not good for you. And you may, we may lose a project. You may be fired. You may be demoted. But I have to owe it to you as a good leader to sit down respectfully and let you know i made the decision here's why i made it i know the outcome's not great but i have to let you go whatever but you are amazing you have value i'll be a reference whatever it is so yes it sucks but at least you walk away knowing you're appreciative supportive and you weren't just a casualty of me being an asshole for my own selfish need or whatever and i know as a public traded company you got to make those tough decisions but you still have to take the time to be authentic and not walk away on an ego and not care about the people who got you there in the first place. Cause we know you, you don't stand on that ivory tower and you're not king of the content world without your staff. And Steve jobs, this is like so funny. We had this comment from it's go Steve jobs. He's not a good leader. He has a team around him. He's like you, he wasn't about be a business owner. I see a product. I see a vision. And he built the team around him. Larry Ellison amidst in one of his books. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Oh, interesting. I'm so, he's so successful, but he's successful because he put a team of people around him that knew more than him that he could rely on to make sure he is, you know, Oracle is Oracle, Steve Jobs at Apple. You look at what's his face, Microsoft, Bill Gates. It's building a team around you. Steve Jobs was public. Like, hey, I'm not the best guy in the world. I have a vision on the product side. But I don't have a publicity problem. I have a public relations problem, two separate things, because my story of leadership has to be told the narrative the right way to the right people at the right time. And that was where his defining moment of I need help to put Mac on the map as a global product brand. So if you look at people, whatever they think of these guys, they are multi-billion dollar world leading companies for a reason from startup. To big. Right. That's what people forget when they walk into a room. I couldn't agree more. You want to talk, <laughs> you talk about, 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 about video? You're so funny. That's why I love talking. No, I, I'm happy. Look, I would happily talk about leadership and startups and management and, and team building forever. It well, is my, I, one of I my favorite topics. It is something, this is what we talk about constantly now on the podcast, just because we, it's, we, there was no good leadership out there like there used to be. But the fact that you went from tech, driven startups to studios back to this is amazing but yeah <laughs> let's talk about uh like i'll call it augie it's, it is aug x labs right the company is aug x labs most of the time we're really just talking about augie for you know we had we're one of those companies where like the company name 
it's great for the industry, but our real focus is the product and the people who are using it. So we, uh, yeah, the company is AugX Labs, but the product's Augie, and that's uh, where we spend a lot of our time. So if I go on, we're going to talk about this in a second. And this is back to leadership. I know if I talk to this, it AI creates video reels. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about why this is different because we've seen a lot of AI or the chat GTPTs out there. There's so much out there. I mean, you know this better than anybody. So much. You've got everybody out there. Oh my God, the next big buzzwords. And then within a year or two, it whittles down to only the people who really know how to lead. Augie is a AI-based powered technology where if you talk to it, it gives you back a video based on what you tell it. Is that correct? Yeah, that you you remember that's storytelling. That, it's about storytelling, storytelling. with but, technology. But there's another thing we that so that's that was the basic premise. You you got it exactly right. And that's I, I think we had our first chat about it right as I was getting started. Yeah. Where I had this vision, right? Tell your word. You know, we still say the same phrase, turn your words into video. And what's we think is special of what we've done is not only can you do what you just described, upload a narration or record one from scratch. You can also upload a video. So we have people who are uploading things like, you know, like what we're doing right now, a talking head kind of podcast style video yeah. where, which, which you may only be listening to, depending on what device you have right now, where you want to add visuals to it, right? You want to add whether it's your B-roll or some stock images or generate something. So we started where you could upload a narration. Now you can record yourself or you can upload a video, but we also incorporated AI voices thanks to a partnership we have with 11 Labs, another AI startup. And so we have over 100 AI synthetic voices, which I will tell you fool most people most of the time. They are fake things, fake yeah. people. But if you need a voiceover for an ad, for an HR video, for a sales pitch, whatever your video is going to be, you know, a lot of people don't want their content to be intermingled with their brand, their product, their company, their work, well, or whatever. Because it's choppy. You be on Facebook, you go through the live reels, you look at some of the stuff, and I can start telling now, 90% of them are not the person anymore. It's the AI, but the AI is a little bit off. It's a little bit choppy, or it's like, and I take the spoon, spoon. I mean, it's just, I can't even Whoa. mimic this. It's so obvious it's an AI, and it's not an authentic understanding. It's like you're reading a recipe chart backwards well you're you know? you're you're yes and you're referencing you're referencing most of the ai the avatars the generated talking yeah. videos that's one of the areas we're actually not we're not doing that ourselves we are going to probably partner with either a did or synthesia or one of the other startups doing it i mean there's a few hey jan our one they're really really nice a they suffer from some of the problems you're describing b we don't have a horse in that race per se. In other words, yeah. we want to be the prosumer tool that sits sort of between like iMovie and promote Premiere Pro, right? So, so why are we doing this? Two thirds of businesses have nobody who can make a video for them. Two thirds. Seventy percent of companies in this country make one or zero videos for their business every year. One for the business right? or for social, or for both. their business on social on anything. But wait, can right. you, can you, I need to upload, so I can upload a video. Can you upload yeah. photos? Toggy? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so, no. so that example, I just uploaded a bunch of photos because I, one of my best friends was in town and I did the reel, you know, I just picked the ones I wanted, put music sure. to it. And I, I, I'm all about doing these reels, but I could upload photos to Augie and see what it comes back on, what the story behind it is, which versus me having to type out 
you know, happy birthday. We went to the, you know, da, 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 right? Well, funny enough, what you just described, we're about to push live into the product where Uh you can upload. I can show you a demo right now where you upload, you know, eight photos or 10 photos or whatever. It looks at the photos through computer vision, writes a summary, and then creates a narrative that goes through them. We then let you do things like simple pan scan or Ken Burns effects. We're also editing generative capabilities so you can animate still images using AI now. Nice. And, and so can I post we've added that to that social? To the and then at the end of it, you could just save it to your phone, download to your phone or post. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh-huh. Right now, what you just described, those features, you have to start with a script. But what you just described is coming in uh, January, February for us. So it's that's exactly gonna, right around the corner. That's what I'm going to get excited for you. Because I just did a bunch of reels on my Instagram. Yeah. I just did a bunch. Okay, I, I think we're on LinkedIn everywhere, but Instagram. So I just did a bunch of reels on Instagram. And all of my things are all the top three are just reels. So I hit my photos, put music to it. And then I had to type out da 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 and do all of this stuff. So this is... January, February, and I could just save it, share it, do what I want. Oh my gosh. Do we just know January, February timeframe, right? I mean, we have it in our testing environment right now. So I would assume by February, if not sooner. Oh my God. I'm so, and you better let me know when that comes out. I'm so excited for that because I sit there like it was like 2 a.m. It was like frosty and sparkly cookie making, you know, to 2 a.m. catching up, you know, like what stupid things we do when we're with our best friends. We haven't seen in a few months, you know, and I'm on holidays yeah. and I'm sitting here doing all these things and da, da, da. And then I have and one of my other best friends, Marjorie, who was on our last podcast with you way back mm-hmm. when we, I was with her the weekend before because my birthday was a few weeks ago and we've got 3,000 photos. I'm like, okay, I just got to go pick all the best ones out do a reel, but you only have like 15, 20 seconds max. And I've got to do this and do this. And I just, I'm like, I'll get in the photos are amazing. And they're funny, but it's like, I put it off because I got to take the time to go through it. This to me is just upload and you do the rest of the work. I mean, that's exactly the vision of the whole thing. Wow. The other thing I we've added. This. Do I need an app? So do you have to download another app? Like repost no, just go somewhere? to the website, meetaugie.com. Meet. M-E-E-T. But if you don't need an app on your cell phone. A-U-G-I-E. Nope. If you go on mobile right now, the only thing you do with mobile is upload stuff from your phone to Augie or download from Augie to your phone. All of the editing, et cetera, happens on a on a browser. Uh, remember, our, our use case is primarily professional use. So we have people are using it to make ads, promo videos. Again, training videos is huge for us. Explainer videos. There's this huge, I mean, a massive trend called faceless YouTube, which is basically people making explainer videos without putting their face on screen. But, but hold on, I mean, and, you're, and, you're, and you're, you're a tech guy. I mean, given we met mobile technology innovation years ago, why would you not have an, unless you're going to, which I need to know. Oh, we, we will. Yeah, yeah. Because I could just be on the app download because a lot of stuff, even on business, we're still on my phone. If I'm at an event and I need sure. to post it. I mean, well, you can post coming? from your phone. Remember, you can upload and download yeah. from your phone. But what we, what we, during our research, we were engaging with users. I mean, it's the classic way you build products these days. Yeah. And what we learned is that for the majority of people in business, when you're looking to do a business style post, something that might be an, something you might be paid for, promoted, yeah. might have something that that is timing matters, etc., you're very likely to be at a computer, not your phone. So you and it's a bandwidth phone. issue if there are heavy folders, files, and high res. Well, there's yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, if you're planning out, like, just think about your work, Sarah. It's like when you're, 
yes, you're at a conference, you're quickly doing stuff. But then when you come back to the home base and it's time to get the newsletter out or plan a thing, you're doing most of that back on it's your laptop. It's all down to my thing. So, that, so this, exactly. is, this, this is weird because given we're, we grew, both grew up, our adult life's in the mobile space for our careers. And I know mobile's big, but I feel like mobile shifted. Mobile is huge if you're like that, 16 to maybe 30. But I feel like, and I have a client who always says this, nobody's on the website. Everybody wants mobile, mobile subscriptions, whatever. And that's not true. Cause I get, I am not on my cell phone, head in my cell phone, looking at apps. Do we stuff on my apps? I'm on my computer where like I said, home base is emails, phone, like a multitask, multiple screens, everything I'm doing. I am not a mobile user in the right sense that I'm not using a lot of apps on my phone outside of social and Starbucks, but I don't want to be on my phone looking at um, subscriptions for news content because the screen's small and I'm on the computer so much. I could go through emails, hit forward, do this, bring it up. So I don't know if I'm aged out of the mobile. Oh, I don't know if I aged out of this whole mobile thing or if as a CEO, we become less mobile and more customer client team facing because of the web and what we have available that's more advanced i mean what, where is your opinion on that i think first of all we're similar and and my hunch is that you know unlike when i look when i watch my teenagers on their on their phones first of all their ability to type is just no matter how good i've gotten it's not it's not the same right They're, they they grew up typing more on a phone than any other device so yeah. they're fast i think that's the first part the second part for me i just I just feel it feels like it's more effort to do large. It's mostly for me, large form content. Like yeah. most things I actually prefer, my, like buy shopping on my phone, I find is more pleasant booking travel on my phone. But when it comes to like, I have to write a thoughtful email. Like if you were to ask me to write a thoughtful pitch about something about Augie for next year, like I could have it all in my head. I'm actually, I've started using Siri more where I'll just dictate my thing because it's gotten pretty close to accurate it's so um, hard to but type. i'm like you i don't yeah. i know i don't like typing i just i just I, I, i'd I'm rather texting, and i'm guilty of it because i text so fast and i have friends at class like what the hell and what are you doing typing so fast if i don't have like you know manicure pedicure nails i'm just like a minute with errors with typos but it's it's it is hard and sometimes people don't see emails some people are text people for communications i am a text person when I just have so much I got to get to you and I know you're not going to go read an email and I just, you can't pick up the phone, but I'm just, I just rambly, you know, fire it out. But then if it's really, really a thoughtful thing, I would do an email, but like, and I have one of my good friends, she's like, who sent me a text. She goes, Hey, I just wanted to take the time to respond back at this amazing weekend, but I wanted to send you a thoughtful text, not just a quick short one. So she took the time, you know, sent me a, a text the next day this morning and it was a little bit longer but she's like i just wanted to take the time to have a more of a thoughtful text and it's funny it's cute because it is a text it's not an email i mean i think there's a reason for mm. everything i feel like if i'm on my phone you're right at an event with the client yeah i mean i do wait till i get back to my computer or my laptop and you know or i wait till he's in a calmer environment and i'm on my phone at 2 a.m tagging making reels but this makes sense to me because we're on our desktops, but I do love the mobile aspect and I do love the social aspect for Instagram and social. So I think I would be a tremendous hybrid user, the business on the desktop, 
long form content, but I would love to have Augie as an app so I could use Augie to do all my reels. So I don't have to be on Instagram, rechecking, spelling, hitting back, 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 rehashtagging, redoing what I want to say. I, I just think this is a beautiful platform to take the oh, business market you. to another level, but it's also another quicker, better, more seamless way for the social users, you know? I think that's well said. I, and I think, look, we have social users already. We have creators, we have teachers, like that. we think education is a huge opportunity. But what we came to realize while we, you know, this whole thing comes out of me. I was trying to make a video, right? And, yeah. and by the way, non-coincidentally for a podcast, I was doing a podcast with my co-founder and we, it was just about movies. It wasn't serious, but we were having a great time doing it. And the point was to try to expand our audience, even though it was a side hustle, not even side hustle, below, whatever's below a side hustle. Like it was a hobby, you know, but we took it seriously and we wanted to expand our audience a little bit. So I went off doing all my reading and what did all my reading say? You have got to make a promo video. So I said, okay, I'll make a promo video. And JT and I recorded ourselves for 45 seconds, just being a little goofy, but talking, oh yeah, we talk about movies. We like lists. We're, we're this kind of people. We're Gen X, you know? I started taking self-paced tutorials of Adobe Premiere Pro, and I realized that it is a phenomenal product with, I mean, literally they make Hollywood movies using it. And it's like the analogy I keep using is me trying to learn Adobe Premiere Pro to make a simple trailer for my podcast is like me learning how to fly a helicopter to go to the milk corner store to buy milk, right? It's so much overkill. And yeah. so we set about building Augie. So it's the in-between, right? At one end of the spectrum, you have Premiere and Avid and Final Cut, amazing products. At the other end of the spectrum, you have things like iMovie, Windows Movie Maker, and even things like Magisto, where they'll take your photos and make cool like vacation videos and things like that. It's really great what you can do. But there's nothing, nothing for yeah. the simple use case of, I need to make videos good enough to promote my business, whatever that might yeah. mean. Okay, that's, so this is so funny. I'm literally, and I'm listening, full attention, undivided. I texted quickly on my screen, Augex Labs, to David, one of my guys who does all their social media on the access effect. And we do a video, uh, you know, based on the industry and what's going on the first part of the week. And then when we drop, you know, your face record template, looking for the cover with an audio clip. I just texted him like, okay, this is what we're going to start using to see how this works. And this is brilliant. You know, awesome. me. BDPR, we don't endorse people who aren't clients. We're very universal no. on the podcast. I can't do it, but I've got to say, and I always say, no politics, no sales pitches. This is not what we're here for. I'm always such an ass. You're not my client. I'm not going to promote you. I'm not going to support you because I get asked all the time and we just, unless we know it, but, and you have been a friend forever and I am so love what you're doing. And I usually, you know me, I don't pitch stuff on our show, but I, this I is, know. I you know, know, I'm so fucking clean. This is amazing. Like, I am so proud of you. Like when we met back Aww. in the way back in the days, like, like, cause I, we don't, we run in the same circles in tech and I, I can, I just, this is amazing because, you know, we look at the strikes I'm in Hollywood. Everybody's like, oh, AI is going to replace us. No, you're, it's not going to be. If you suck at what you do and you're no value, then you should be fired. It's nothing to do with AI. <laughs> but leading into AI, like I can't use AI for PR. Sometimes I do because we just launched a nonprofit and I used AI just to give me a bunch of 
educational background and global health initiatives. But I know for legal, you can't use AI, but being in PR, for some of the stuff we can. But I, I you know, a lot of people are very afraid. I don't think they're afraid of AI being replaced by robots. I think it's that fear of technology because when I first did the podcast that had you on when you're at Warner and pandemic is when I did the book, leaning into technology, you have to embrace it oh. to thrive and survive, to be sustainable. You got to lean into tech. And I wrote a book or a huge white paper on that that I probably should have published knowing better as a PR person. But <laughs> I feel like leaning into tech is tremendous. It's not going to replace you. If you need to replace, you're going to be replaced. This to me is more of a, lack of a better word, artificial augmented support to where I'm overstaffed. I don't want to hire somebody, source it out to do a writing thing. I'm not getting rid of you. Use the AI to help you right. be better, more productive. So we could have more work on you and do more stuff for the client and stuff. So I feel like AI is, that's how we should use AI. Not this bullshit of, oh my God, it's going to replace us. This is why all the studio strikes went on because they're going to use AI mm. with other writers. No, they're not. They're going to keep the writers that are good writers. They're going to augment some of it with AI to help yeah. bump up, to help them be better. And I think there's that that fear, but in a bad way, lack of technology <laughs> and fear of leaning into tech that most people don't understand. And I think that's where the AI takes a bad rap. But in this case, I think it is such a good business model. This is this is how to use AI and what it was meant for. Well, thanks. At a level. I really appreciate that. Obviously, it's so sweet to hear from you personally, given your what you look at in products. And I'll just double down on the disclaimer: no, no transactions here, y'all. And everybody knows me. I was, I said, even an email link. No, like, no, sorry, you're not a client. You're not a sponsor. Or anything. I don't know you, but like, I and I never do this. You know me, but honestly, I love this because I'm getting to the reels a lot lately. But this well, to me is tremendous, and because I have a podcast. I don't want to get to, it takes too long to do technology. It's clunky. This is, it's seen. And I'm going to use this and give you feedback, but this seems so seamless. If I already have the videos well, and the content, seamless UI it, for the AI. UI is, and, <sighs> and that's the thing is you, you were touching on some, a couple of, of common AI conversational topics these days, which I find really fascinating. The first one is around the user experience. Like yeah. I've had people say to me like, oh, I already saw someone made a video just like this on on YouTube, what are you know? Why do you need to exist? I'm like, well, why don't you go read what that person did to make the video? Yeah. And the response I got is like, oh no, I did. He had to use this tool and then this tool and then this tool and then this and this. I would never be able to do that myself. I'm like, got it. So what's your question? It's like, well, aren't you worried about that? I'm like, it's actually what we're doing. We're the ones taking all these cool AI pieces of tech. And bring them together. I literally saw someone post, a colleague of mine pointed out to me on Friday, someone posted this thing on LinkedIn where they generated a cute clip of like a princess walking over to a dragon. I went to Augie this morning. I spent a grand total of about eight minutes start to finish where I said, write me a very short story about a princess meeting a dragon for the first time in the style of a, of a kid's CGI movie. And I just sent it back to the guy on LinkedIn actually today. Because what he went through and what I went through, I'll bet you he spent 10 times as much time as I did and only produced four seconds of clips. I, in less than eight minutes, produced a 20-second clip start to finish of a dragon meeting a princess flying, blah, blah, blah. So the first thing that's key here is just because AI is here doesn't mean it's ready for people to use. If you tell my mom to look up 
you know, movie reviews by AI or whatever. She'd be like, no, <laughs> never, you know. So so the first thing is people have to make it all easier. And, and I think that's forgotten about a lot of circles. Yeah. And the second point to where you were going is on what are we replacing? And this has been really important for us. If you think about the role we replace in the process, it is none of the creative work. In fact, what our tool does is it allows creators to spend more time being creators and less time fiddling with technology tools. And so that's our vision here. It's not to actually replace, it's to supplant the yeah. need for wasting your valuable time on lining one thing up with one other thing. Like, no, I want to spend my time on the story and make it, make it, you know, get it in front of the right audience and do all the important stuff, not spend hours and hours fighting with difficult to use software. And so that's been a real thing for us. Like we have video pros who use Augie to make a first draft and then go off into Final Cut or Avid or something else to finish up the video. So we're already seeing, we're helping the creators themselves just save time. Right? I just think this labor. is such a huge, like just pivoting because I don't run out of time here. I see this as being yes. such a huge tech partner, like on a bigger level, like a YouTube you know, the technical YouTube, the content creator studios are all in LA and they're always looking to bring in new tools embed in their platforms. If you're a content creator, click here, click here. I just feel whoever's doing the BD partnerships for AugX needs to go talk to um, some of the bigger guys. I forgot the guy's name over at YouTube for the content creator, because when I go into YouTube as content creator, it gives me tools. Some of them just kind of suck. I just do my own. But this is one of those things where jumping into, even if it's like, Instagram, going to Meta, it's getting this as an actual embedded tool as part of everybody's Facebook UIs on Instagram, on Reels, is where I see this going, which is which is a whole other conversation, I know. Let me have a quick... <laughs> I, we, we need like an eight-hour podcast, Jeremy, but before we wrap we up... We can do a couple. A quick, I know, right? Write this down the series. Let me ask you a quick question before you wrap here. I know you're a startup, and I'm going to ask, are you guys profitable because... And how are you profitable? Because you have a membership base. So you can't use Augie unless you, and you're, you're, I mean, and I get it. This is tremendous. Your costs are fairly high, but $200 a month up to so many videos because you're a business, you're a B2B play right now. Is that going to change and be open to anybody? Or is it always going to be a very strict pay to play? Great question. So we're actually currently free. You could pay $10 a month to remove watermarks. So we have a made by Augie bumper watermark at the end of the video. We are about to introduce a $40 a month tier that opens access to premium content. We will then in the new year open a second tier for enterprise use, uh, which allows things like collaborative work. So Sarah, you and your social media guy could be working on the video in parallel together. So that'll be coming into Augie as well at which point we'll have multiple tiers. So there will always be a free tier. The free tier will have limited use and less access to premium yeah. content. You know, we have a big partnership with Getty and with Eleven Labs and with some other fairly prominent companies. And so a lot of that will get put into the premium only tier. And then we'll also be adding some time limitations. So you can get so much for free. You can get more for a little paid. You can get more for more paid, et cetera. So Kind of the same as most internet services from, you know, Dropbox to whatever, where it depends on how, you know, pay what you use kind of model. We're also free for educational and nonprofit use. Which makes it, okay. Uh, and that's so really important to us. Yeah. We've been using Canva for the video. So oh, it's great. Well, we want great. It, but this is almost like quicker, faster, better tool. We have so much to chat about. 
and I know we're running out of time, but you brought up the nonprofit. And that is important to me because I just launched a nonprofit, World Health Initiatives, Universal Healthcare, to um, developing countries because healthcare is a human right. Right. And we are heading into, heading down there in January, but I have a lot of photos. That is going to be, okay, we have a bigger BD conversation between you and I, off the record. I so love having you on. Oh my God, I always love having you on. We could talk forever. So I'm hoping I'm going to see you in New York in January. But until then, for anybody who is interested, where can we send them? Go to meetaugie.com. M-E-E-T. Augie is A-U-G-I-E. Meetaugie.com. You can sign up for free. Start using it for free. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. And then when the paid tiers come, if you're loving the product, hopefully you find it worth paying for. Oh, that's so, so funny. That's I, was doing, I, was doing, I was doing Aug, like Aug X Lab, but it's Meet Augie. You can go, sorry, you can go to AugX Labs and I would guess maybe for like industry people who are listening to your show, that's how you can learn more about us as a company. But for the majority of people who want to just go try the products, it's all, that. that's why we're yeah. mostly promoting Meet Augie. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to be your biggest users and supporter and cheerleaders. I'm going to start using this. Oh my God, it was so good having you on. Like, I'm so excited to keep chatting with you. And oh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about, but like it was so awesome having you on the show today. I know we've been trying to get this rescheduled with the holidays and everything coming up. Great to see you and everybody have a great holidays. Yeah. Be happy safe. holidays. Have a lot of joy and love, whatever you're doing, whatever you celebrate. We'll see everybody in January, New Year. See you in the new one. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.